The Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Be it props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you use the sign-up code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. With MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. The Sports Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Amazon. You probably already shop at Amazon, but why not shop at Amazon and support us here at the Sports Gambling Podcast for bringing you these shows for free. All you have to do to support us is log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon, bookmark that link, and use it every time you shop at Amazon to support the podcast today. Let it ride. Wimbledon is the traditional tournament. The fans are amazing. You play in the wild, so this is also special. And Wimbledon is the highlight of the year. It's the grass court. It's the smell of the freshly cut grass. You just feel those players that you're playing in the biggest top in the world. It's just a place where every time you go, it's, it feels like it's brand new. Wimbledon is the tournament that you know, has the most history for us tennis players. Of course, I'm looking for Wimbledon. Uh, that's one of my favorite tournaments. I think this is the biggest and best tournament in the world. It's just an incredible, incredible place. You are listening to a Wimbledon 2019 preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Later on on the show, I will be bringing in Darren Rogers, who covered the French Open with us, and who will be here exclusively to cover the men's side of the draw. We did... Sorry, my voice is going. We did initially do a podcast where we covered both the men's and the women's side of the draw. However, I did end up losing that second part. However, it wasn't necessarily a very informative podcast in that there were no official plays on there. We were both pretty much in agreement that the women's side of the draw was very difficult, a bit of a clusterfuck, and very much like picking a winner out of a golf tournament or a horse race. They're all at massive prices of six to one and above. It's very much unlike the men's game. It's very unpredictable. It's very hard to analyze. We did have a couple of um, underdogs in the race. We did pick out a couple of bets that I'm going to go through with you. I actually had to... um, Upon realizing that I had lost that portion of the podcast, I had to return to um, David Lloyd, which is the tennis club that we play at, and uh, retrieve our notes from the dustbin in Darren's office. Luckily, no one's there on Sunday, and luckily it wasn't covered with pure bullshit, which I would have had to put my hand in and fish through to find a piece of paper. It was nicely still there at the top because it was the last thing that we did yesterday. And I was able to retrieve both of our notes on the women's draw and I'll be able to cover that myself here. And as you heard at the top of the show, uh, Wimbledon is widely regarded as the number one grandstand. We only have four of them a year. That's why we don't cover much tennis here on the SGP, but we do cover the big stuff, which is the Grand Slams, which is the Australian Open, which is the French Open that we just did. And we did very well at both tournaments so far this year. Now we are covering Wimbledon and obviously later on in the year we'll be covering the French, uh, the US Open from New York at Flushing Meadows. But we start with Wimbledon. It is a grass court tournament. It does start tomorrow, which is Monday. It will run for two weeks. It is supposed to finish on the Sunday, two weeks from today. Weather permitting, which is obviously always an interesting thing where the tournament sort of <clears throat> ascends into chaos sometimes where there is a lot of rainfall, which 
means that scheduling can be very, very, um, very influential in how you bet because sometimes players need to finish a game on one day in the evening and then play the next afternoon because they're behind on the schedule. Whereas another player may have finished his game uh, the day before and he just has days and days and days of rest, which is obviously massively advantageous. And nowadays the odds tend to pick up on this a lot more than they used to, but Still, there are opportunities there to, to to win a bet. It's not a bad bet just because it becomes somewhat of a certainty, just because they've moved the odds. Sometimes they can't make the odds big enough. They can only move it a few numbers. A, a one to two at very most can only become a, a one to three based on conditions. Does that necessarily make it worth less of a bet if you're 100% about it? I wouldn't say so. I, I wouldn't say that the um, that those type of conditions or situations make the bet any worth any less worth doing. Just just double it up in something. Do do a do a do a two t a two person parlay or something like that. There's no reason not to bet on a bet that you're absolutely certain about and that the situation all uh, all the ingredients in the situation result in a winner. And and there's a lot of that at Wimbledon. In addition to that, we have a lot of players that just cannot, absolutely cannot play on the surface. They they struggle with it ridiculously and, and will never, ever be able to, to win here. And I'm talking about massive names in the past that have always struggled to be at Wimbledon. World number ones in the past that were number one in the world at every other surface but when they came to the grass they just couldn't play in it at all um, and, and that's quite common somebody like uh, Dominic Team, who I firmly believe one day will win the French I don't expect him to go far in this tournament at all um, I, I don't expect Zverev to go far in this tournament but that's mainly down to the fact that Zverev struggles at all the grandstand these were the two players that were supposed to take the crown from the top three but now we look at the odds on the men's game and it is still the top three it is still hard to pick anyone outside of the top three of Novak Djokovic Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal and that may change next year if Federer does decide to retire at the age of 38 but until he doesn't he's still going to be a massive threat on the surface and the draw does favour him and that's something that me and Darren go into in great detail we talk about the draw we talk about how the draw favours Federer but somehow we still end up landing on Novak Djokovic the world number one and the player that is pretty much unbeatable in this day what about Rafa Nadal Rafa Nadal's just won the French for the 12th time he could end up winning the French 15 times before he retires but he still struggles here at Wimbledon even though he's such a great player and he's managed to overcome that situation and overcome the struggles that he has on the grass to actually win this tournament he doesn't he's not won 12 Wimbledon titles he's won 12 times at the French but he's not been able to win 12 Wimbledon titles because this is a surface that affects people it's either for you or it's not for you and we're going to see some big servers here cause some big upsets because the ball flies off this surface and it is advantageous to the servers and that is one of the key things for the men's game as we look at round one there's a plethora of uh, potential upsets that 
uh, that I've picked out and I'll be going over those on my website there the official plays will all be going through lockbetting.com sometimes there will be additional podcasts throughout this tournament because it's such a big tournament I will be posting out additional podcasts and I will be talking to Ryan and Sean to see if they do want an additional podcast right here as we get into the second week of Wimbledon I will keep you posted on that on my Twitter at lockbetting or go to at the SGP network to see if we will be putting out a second free Wimbledon podcast if not there would definitely be further podcasts over at lockbetting.com which is my site and uh, we will especially be going deep into the men's game because that's where the primary focus is that's where I feel that I specialise in that's certainly where Darren specialises in and I see Darren every day and we'll be consulting him on a daily basis so we'll be getting that portion of the podcast in a few minutes but I do want to spend some time starting on the women's side of the game and um, the main thing I want to go into is the quarters because that is a bet on who reaches the semi-finals. And I honestly feel that is where we will potentially be able to win more money. I will run through the winner's market. Absolutely, of course. I'm not going to do a podcast about Wimbledon and not go through the outright prices for the women. I just feel that in the long run, um, more of our money on the women's side of the draw is probably going to come through backing the um, these these quarter bets because there's more interesting prices in there. And I know when we did the first recording with Darren, he absolutely loved one of these quarter bets. So I'm going to start with the outright prices. Um, Ashley Barty, the winner of the French Open, is the favourite here at six to one. Carolina Piskova, who won Eastbourne yesterday, is available at seven to one. Uh, Angelique Kerber is available at 8-1. Serena Williams is the biggest price she's ever been to win Wimbledon. She's available at 9-1. to And uh, I'll be talking more about her in a minute because Darren was very interested in a play that involved her. Petra Kitova at 12-1. to Naomi Osaka at 14-1. to Her run of Grand Slams was ended at the French. She won the two prior to that, the US Open and the Australian. Simona Halep, former Wimbledon champion, 18 to 1. Joe Conta at 20 to 1. Kiki Burton's at 20 to 1. Madison Keys, 22 to 1. And the very talented youngster, Amanda Anisimova at 28 to 1. If we go further down, we see two people that I quite commonly like to bet on in the women's game. Gabine Marugaruza at 15 to 1. Sloane Stevens at 50 to 1. And Caroline Wozniacki, former world number one, way down at 66 to one. I don't know what's happened to her. It's funny with the women's game. And this is some of the things that we discussed with, with Darren. It's a woman can assimilate a world number one ranking through accumulating a lot of um, points in ATP tournaments. The ATP tournaments that run every every week of the year pretty much and um, they're little small tournaments two set tournaments and you can get ranking points for them and if you win a lot of those tournaments or you get to a lot of semi-finals or finals you will improve your ranking and Wozniacki is one of those players she's not a Serena Williams um, she's one of those players that became world number one through, through doing that and that's, that's something that's can be said of Pliskova that's something that can be said of Kerber not all these women that ascend to the top ranking go on to win Grand Slam after Grand Slam after Grand Slam. It's um, very difficult to dominate the game like Serena Williams did. But at the moment, we do have some players who could potentially do that. I think at 17 years old, Amanda Anisimova is definitely going to be one to watch. And uh, Sloane Stevens is way down at 50 to 1 here. She does have the game to do it. But 
whether she turns up or not is, is remains to be seen. I mean, she certainly does turn up at times in tournaments, but whether she can turn up and play the entire tournament and not succumb to a, uh, a major upset remains to be seen because thus far she has succumbed to a major upset and failed at, at pretty much every hurdle um, other than the, the time where she won the US Open. So we're looking at quarter one where we've got Ashley Barty, the tournament favourite, as the favourite to win this quarter, 9-4. to four. Serena Williams at 3-1. to one. And this was the bet that Darren was absolutely all over. He likes Serena Williams to get to this quarter. In order to win a quarter, you need to advance through to the semi-final. That will entail winning your quarter. Angelique Kerber, 10-3. <clears throat> Belinda Benich, 11 to 1, Muguruza, 14 to 1, and the popular Maria Sharapova at 22 to 1 in this quarter. As I said, I'm in agreement with Darren. Um, not sure about Serena going all the way, but a run to the semi finals is certainly a possibility. Can she win five matches on the grass court, a tournament that she's won many times? I think so. And that was a pay that Darren was very high on. And I think that was the main thing that he was high on. And quarter two, we both picked out Amanda Anisimova. Uh, she's seven to one here. The favorite is Kitova at 14 to one. Kiki Burton's at nine to two. And uh, Joe Conter at five to one. We've got Sloane Stevens also in this portion of the draw at 11 to one. I like Anisimova <coughs> and Stevens here at seven to one and 11 to one. Uh, Darren liked Anisimova as well, but he also liked Joe Conta uh, because she's the home player and the, the home fans could possibly carry her through here in some of these games. And also some of these big seeds like uh, Kitova or Burton's uh, could be eliminated at the early stages in, in upsets because the Wimbled, uh, the women's game is going to be prime for a lot of upsets. I would not be parlaying many of these games when it comes down to the women's side of the draw. Quarter three is um, a very difficult one. Uh, sorry, it's, it's not a very difficult one to call for me because this was my favourite bet of the women's game and it will be the only, the only official play that I'll be putting out. So I'm going to tell you that now. There is one official play on the, the women's game and it is Karolina Pliskova, the winner of Eastbourne, to win quarter three at nine to four. You've got Svitolina as the second favorite, seventeen to two. Petra Martic at eleven to one. Ostapenko at twelve to one, who I think is the main danger. And after that, they don't really see anybody that's going to trouble our selection here. So that is a half unit play a small half unit play on Pliskova to win quarter three that is the only official play on the women's game we will not be making an official play on the winner we will not be doing any kind of parlay over on the men's side once you hear that po that portion of the podcast with me and Darren we make three official plays there are two parlays one one unit parlay one half unit parlay and a two unit pick on the winner. And you're getting these picks for free here on the show. And that is in the portion with Darren. But here on the women's side, there's one official play and that is it. We finish off with quarter four. We've got Naomi Osaka at 10 to three. Simona Halep at five to one. That's definitely worth a shout. Uh, Madison Keys at seven to one. And Carolina Garcia, 11 to 1. Wozniacki at 12 to 1. After that, you go way down. Venus Williams is here at 20 to 1. And if you go even further down than that, there's this particular player that I'm looking for. And um, 
so many names here. I can't actually find the name. Here is Corey Gaff. She's 50 to 1. And I'm only mentioning her because she's a 15-year-old that's managed to get through to the women's draw. And she'll be playing at Wimbledon tomorrow against Venus Williams. And she's 5 to 2 to cause the upset. This is Serena's poster. Having this is kind of a reminder of where I want to go. I want to be the best ever. I want to be better than Serena. And I want to have that Grand Slam record one day. When I went to my first tennis camp, I was around seven years old. I was used to hitting against the garage uh, of my house, and then my dad put me in a summer camp, and then the rest is, just took off from there. Delray Beach resident Coco Goff credits her tennis career to the Williams sisters. Goff, at just 14 years old, is off to a historic start to her own career. In the final of the 2018 French Open, she becomes the fifth youngest girls singles champion in the history of the event. I'm Coco, and I've been a number one ranked tennis player. So that is Coco Goff. She begins her Wimbledon campaign tomorrow against Venus Williams, ironically, one half of the two Williams sisters who she's looked up to her whole career, as you just heard from the little clip that I just played. At this moment in time, we are going to hand it over to myself and Darren, and we are going to cover the men's portion of the show. So that bit of audio is coming to you guys right now. Novak, what do you think it means for the sport to have the three winningest men's major players, major tournament winners, playing so well at the same time for so long? Well, I think there's a lot of benefits for the sport um, because of it. I, I, you know, I, I have obviously have not been so happy to be part of Federer and Nadal era at the beginning of my career. I wasn't, you know, winning much of the major events, but um, I, I, it's a different story right now. I think I'm very grateful to be part of this era. They've made me a better player, and I've talked about this numerous times that they complemented my game. They, they uh, made me understand, you know, what I what I need to do in order to surpass and overcome the biggest challenge and that is to win against these guys in the major events so I think the rivalries that we have between three of us and Andy of course um, has um, kind of um, highlighted probably the last 10-15 years of uh, professional men's tennis and I see a lot of positives out of it and, and I, I think that the sport has benefited a lot because of these rivalries and, and uh, all of us you know, winning, winning that much. You are listening to a Wimbledon preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Also follow me on Twitter at LockBetting and check out my website LockBetting.com. I'm joined by tennis expert for this Wimbledon 2019 preview, Mr. Darren Rogers. Hi, guys. Right, so last time out, we did fairly well. We landed the official bet that we gave out. Nadal and Djokovic pretty much sailed their way to the semifinals, but we did not get a Djokovic-Nadal final last time. I went Nadal, you went Djokovic, but in Darren's defence, before we recorded that show, he did say... I think Nadal will probably win it, but he's not worth it at the price. Do you feel the same way about Djokovic in this tournament coming in at six to four? Yes, it's it's it's, it's, um, it's not great odds, but at the end of the day, I think Djokovic is my is my favourite, um, just purely because he, he loves Wimbledon, and it's just who could beat him here. 
that's the that's the issue. It's just a bit like Nadal at Roland Garros. It's like who's actually going to beat him, and it's a similar sort of thing with Djokovic at Wimbledon. If we become Djokovic backers here unanimously, because I'm on the same train as you for this. Um, especially because even though Federer won Haller, he, he dropped more sets than he usually did. We had a massive play. Uh, my members had a massive play on Roger Federer to win Haller, which he won for the tenth time. But it was a struggle all the way out, struggling against Songa, struggling against Batista Agu. I don't know how much weight you put into that, but looking at the draw, uh, Federer's strongest challenger is Berrettini, uh, and he's got Isner, Nishikori, Koric, and Puli. Djokovic's door looks like an absolute nightmare just to get through to the semis. He's got Tispatas, Alassim, who just got to the semis at Queens, uh, Medvedev, Goffin, who uh, Federer beat in the final of Halla, and Dimitrov as well, who is inconsistent but can turn up. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a tough draw, really tough actually, but I think Djokovic will get through that. Is, it, is there a reason why we get draws like this? Because at Wimbledon, as, as, as most people know, it isn't done purely on, on the world rankings and, and whatnot. They have their own seeding system. I mean, how in 2019 is this, is this able to happen? Because immediately when, you, when a draw out pops out like this, you would think Federer, possibly his final year, the darling of Wimbledon, what a nice draw he's got all the way to the final. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, nothing can be proven. But the bottom line, it does seem like he's got a nice draw. But he's won it so many times. I think he probably deserves it. Um, However, I still think that I, the, the Federer of old it will be it be tough for him to see him to win this one. Be nice. It'd be a nice sort of a swan song, though. Yes, they do. I mean, that's that's their rules, and uh, we've got to respect it. Um, although it's it's a little bit surprising to be honest, even though it's Roger. I mean, Roger is you know the greatest of all time, and, and of course you know, he won most most uh, Wimbledon titles of any player in the history, and you know, anyone deserves it. It's him, but at the same time, you know, it's it's Nadal that that he's kind of uh, taking taking over the the second seed. You know, so it, it is it is a surprising to be honest a little bit, but. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, I'll run through the outright odds, but I've, as as we're talking about, it, I've picked out a, a price here for um, Federer to reach the final at six to four. So that eliminates the the matchup against um, Novak Djokovic. It does see a potential semi-final against Nadal. And um, the bet that you picked out from Skybet was Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal all to reach the semis at seven to one. So that's just a few things that we like. Um, but anything you can see, where do you see the, the banana skin there for one of the one of those three to not make the semis? Um, Nadal, think, Nadal's fitness or a player that a player well, I just think Nadal, Nadal sometimes has missed Wimbledon on the back of um, a really sort of French Open Roland Garros um, and is obviously ready to play. So maybe it might be a slight upset on Nadal on, on his side of the draw. Um, I mean, one of the other bets that stood out for me that I quite liked was the, the Raonic to to get through the quarters. Yeah, well, we'll come to that now because Raonic isn't disruptive to our to our three to our, to our three regular players that always get there. He's not disruptive to the big three, as they're known now, um, because uh, Zerev is the top seed in the Raonic quarter. So that's the quarter that we really want to look at, and we'll move to quarters in a second. The outright markets: uh, Djokovic best price six to four. Federer at 10 to 3, Nadal 6 to 1, and then it's a massive gap outside of the big three. Tispatas is rated as the highest of the next slot at 20 to 1. Wow. 
Uh, Zverev, the Grand Slam failure at 28 to 1. Uh, team, 33 to 1. He'll never win Wimbledon. He might win the French. Uh, Alisim, 33 to 1. It was 80 to 1 um, two weeks ago. Uh, Chilic, 33 to 1. I've got some comments about him later. Uh, Raonic, 33 to 1. And Anderson, 44 to 1. To reach the finals, uh, Djokovic, 8 to 11. Federer, 6 to 4. Nadal 3 to 1, Tispitas 10 to 1, Zero 14 to 1, Team 14 to 1, Alasem 18 to 1, Chilich 14 to 1. That's not run in order. So what that means is, is there's there's money on these ones. Um, Round it 16 to 1, 18 to 1, Anderson, and then. Uh, the semi-finals which we're going to break down in, in quarters anyway now just going to run through quickly Djokovic 2-5 Federer 8-11 Nadal 6-4 Tispitas 6-1 Zverev 9-2 and that's someone who's a favourite for their quarter Team 13-2 Alisim 10-1 Cilic 7-1 there's been money on that as I just mentioned 11-2 uh, Raonic and 6-1 Anderson so we're going to run through it quarter by quarter and we will spend probably more time on quarter two so quarter one Djokovic 2-5 and then you have Tispatas Alasim Medvedev Goffin and Dimitrov um, Tispatas the second favourite at 6-1 Alasim the third favourite at 10-1 um, what's the big danger to Djokovic there? well I think the Greek guy without a doubt Tispatas just because of his um, he's got form and what he did last year um but Alisim has been beaten. He made semis in the Queens. Yeah, he beat Tispatas and he has a winning record against Tispatas. He's been beating him throughout the juniors as well. I mean, maybe this this kid is the main danger. I took him at 80 to 1 each way a few weeks ago uh, before the draw was made. I would rather have not seen him in the same part of the draw as Djokovic. But is it just a case of this is too soon for these kids? I mean, is this a bad draw or is this a, or is this, is this a good draw? Because none of these kids are ready to step up and, and face Novak at, at, at Wimbledon no I think I, I think it's a, I think it's a good draw for Djokovic I mean it's tight because there's some good players there but are they good enough to beat him that's, a, that's the big difference don't forget Grand Slam's over five so yes you might take a set it's a bit like team did with Nadal but uh, uh, the bottom line is at the end of the day trying to beat these players um, best of five is so much tougher than best of three. So my question is, would you rather see Djokovic there going against a Tispatas and an Alasim as opposed to going up against a Raonic or an Anderson who somehow always seem to get to the later stages and just it's difficult to get into their service games, although the best returner in the game doesn't have as many difficulties as, as most people? Um... Uh, as I said, my dark, my dark horse would be Raonic just because I think he's got um, his service just so big and he, he, he can play pretty well on grass. Um, he tends to sort of raise his game a little bit for it as well. Um, so, but, but again, are they good enough to take Djokovic? I don't think so, but Djokovic is, is, is my favourite purely because he's just got such a good record here. And last year, everyone wrote him off and yet he won convincingly. Well, we look at quarter two, which is which is the most interesting quarter to both of us. Um, we've got Zerub as the five to one favourite, and I think we've both pretty much written him off to get to the semis here. Raonic then at six to one, Anderson at six to one, uh, Wawrinka who had a run at the French at seven to one, catching off at ten to one, and then Feliciano Lopez who just won Queens is fourteen to one to reach the semi-final here. So this is the one you wanted to spend some time on. Yeah, no, um, as I said, Raonic, I think Zarev is 
classy player that doesn't tend to do it in the Grand Slams um, and my money would be on Roundage all day long is a little bit more cooler when it comes down to that um, the other guys um, I do like Anderson and Anderson again proven with massive serve and he hits the ball pretty flat um, and he's always always a little bit of a dark horse and does well on the grass what about the resurgence of Wawrinka and the what credibility do you give to Lopez no, you, you his, re his record at Wimbledon is appalling right so and again Lopez yes it was good that he done really well at Queens but if you look at actually the players that were playing at Queens it wasn't that strong I mean well he he, uh, he took Alisson out he, he took Alisson out from a set down so I mean I, I watched that we, we suffered a loss on that because we had a decent bet on Alisson to, to win and once Tispitas was was out of the tournament I felt like it had a strong chance of cashing but Lopez um, put an end to that for us but you, you like Raonic in this part of the draw yeah I just think that um I, I've, I've, I've had I've had him before and, he, and he's um, he's been good he's been really good when I've had him in individual matches as well um, I said he likes Wimbledon surface suits him and he's got such a tank of a serve yeah I circle both so I will play play both here I think either one of Anderson or Raonic are going to get through to this um, to semi-final I don't see Zverev in that part of the draw but and for me um, would you like Zverev? yeah I, I I, I'm not interested in Zara at all there at 5-1 to one. he's even shorter in, in, in some places as well um, so quarter three we've got um, Nadal as the favourite at 6-4 to four. he's followed by Dominic Team at 13-2 to two. then we have Chilich who's just gone off the rails with his, with his form he's just losing to all sorts of players that shouldn't be beating him Nick Kyrgios is interesting always interesting to watch and also interesting because of a potential second round match against Rafa Nadal after comments that he made about him then it gets um, it gets weaker because then we have Deal Simon to Songa and then we have Query below Songa and Simon when he's notoriously a grass court player with a good serve at 22 to 1 I can't remember he was injured and that's my one, maybe one of the reasons. Well, he's in he's in the final today at Eastbourne, so he's playing up he's playing against uh, Fritz in the in the final. So, I think that one is a massive price, and I've circled that. But obviously, Rafa's the one that comes through, providing that he's 100%. And if he's not, for me, Query's the the next best, and obviously that's way down in the market. I have no interest in Chilich. Um, I don't know what's happened to him. There's certainly been there's certainly been money for him. Uh, because he's he's as you look here, the order of the semi-finalists should be getting bigger in price, but it's not a descending price. Chilich has been backed down to seven to one, so there is interest in Chilich. But I think that could possibly be seeing the name Marion Chilich and deciding that he's worth a bet, being that he's an ex-Wimbledon finalist and also knowing about Nadal's injury record. But are you are you worried about Nadal here? Yeah, big time. Um, again, it's just he, his record normally after the French um, is he doesn't tend to last in the tournament. Um, and there's a lot of players that, that, that could be dangerous to him. But um, I get what you're saying with Sam Query. Um, again, when he starts going five sets, is wherever his fitness is able to. to yeah, I'm that. not looking at anybody here beating Rafa in a match. I'm looking at Rafa either pulling out of the tournament or getting some sort of injury where he um, where he doesn't, where he's not Rafa, and he's just and he's just on court. And we've seen it time and time again. I think as over the years I've watched tennis, I've watched. I, do you know what I do? I'd be really interested to watch Chilich's first round, second round, and then just sort of gauge where he is from there. Yeah, the guy can play. 
Um, we don't see and, Rafa retirements. What we see is the trainer coming on court, treating him, trainer coming on court, treating him, and then they're the kind of games that he, he ends up losing because he, he's not someone that will quit. But if Rafa sustains any kind of injury, then I could see him losing. But not in a 100% versus 100%. No one here is, is beating him. No. Which, no, which makes yeah. that seven to one that you picked out appealing for Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal all to make it through to this, um, yeah. this semis. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's safe. As long as Nadal stays injury free, then yeah, there's no reason why not. At the end of the day, he's won, he's won the tournament. He knows what it's like, and he deals with the pressure really well. So we'll move on to quarter four. Just to say, if there's any background noise, we're doing this in Darren's office. We previously wanted to do it in the tennis court, so because Darren is a tennis coach, and we thought we'd have some authentic ball noise in the background, but what we actually had is some <laughs> shitbag kids in, in, instead screaming at each other on the court. So we've taken this over to the office, so if there's any background noise, I'll edit out as much as I possibly can. Um, quarter four is going to be quick, because I think we're on the same page. Literally, we are literally using the same page of notes here. Um, Federer is at 8-11, to 11. Ber- Berrettini's the next favourite down, Isner, Nishikori, Koric. Um, I've not put odds out for them. I can get the odds if you if you want me to, but I can't see no, Federer. No, and we, we're, I think we're both on the same page of seeing Federer go all the way to this final at 6-4. to four. Unless, what if Rafa's there in this semi-final, Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal? Um, well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think if, if this, I've got a really funny feeling this is, this is his final year, just the fact that he played the French. Um, and normally he bags that to play Wimbledon, and the fact he's done both. Yeah. I, I, I fully expect a retirement this year. Um at, at Flushing Meadows. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if this is if this is essentially his one of his last Wimbledon, he will go for it. He won't be. I, I'd see him doing everything he can to make sure he takes. And don't forget, and it would also be revenge for the fact that he uh, lost um, Roland Garros to Nadal in three. So as as an official play here, I'm going to make I'm going to make two. Well, I'm going to make three official plays here, and um, we may we may take Federer to reach the final. Um, check out lockbetting.com to see if I do go with that um, I'm going to put a half unit of £50 on Federer Djokovic and Nadal to reach the semis that's available at 7-1 to one. so that's just a half unit play I'm going to put a full unit on um, Federer and Djokovic to reach the semis and I checked that out earlier and I believe that's available at 6-4 to four. I'm just checking that through now on odds checker have I still got it there? I haven't got it there. I've 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 gone over it. I think it was six to four. It was six to four. I put it back in now. It's here. Um, it is six to four. Yeah, on Djokovic and Federer to both reach the semi. So I'm willing to have a full unit on that, and I'm willing to go as high as two units, two hundred on Djokovic to win the tournament. And do you have any disagreement with that? No. No. So that concludes our Wimbledon 2019 podcast. Hopefully it will be successful as the French Open over at LockBetting.com. We were absolutely hammering the over-unders on the games there on LockBetting.com. We ended up with a 7-1 and one record. Obviously, we picked the tournament winner and the lock bet of Nadal 
and Djokovic to reach the semis landed in that tournament. And um, hopefully the lock bet here of Federer and Djokovic will land as well. And of course, we have uh, a little bit of action on the dial as well. But as we talked about, his fitness is the main thing that could be an issue. But this podcast has been littered with little clips containing Novak Djokovic because we both strongly feel that he is going to win this tournament. I'd like to thank Darren Rogers for coming back on the show again, and he will be contributing over at lockbetting.com throughout the tournament. As I said, we may be back with a second podcast here on the SGP, but if not, everything will be covered at lockbetting.com and the lockbetting.com Twitter is at lockbetting and the Twitter for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is at the SGP Network. I'll be back with another podcast tomorrow, which will be covering the semifinals of the Copa America and the semifinals of the Women's World Cup. So you'll be hearing again from me very shortly. Still over here and then we'll Roger, I think, um, I think I'm right in saying that four of your wins hit you got through the first week without losing a set how, how how important is efficiency in the first week for you here maybe as opposed to the other spams or is it the same I I think it's everywhere about the same I don't think you can say it's better to avoid five setters or top four setters here than in Paris or at the Aussie I just think uh, it's also how you felt before the event um you know, where was your confidence level at? Um, how can you build up the first week feeling good once you get to the, let's say, quarterfinal stage? I think that's what it comes down to. Um, but of course, the mindset has to be that you can, you know, play tough matches also the first week and still win in, in the second week. Um, so yeah, I don't read too much into it, um, to be quite honest. But of course, if you can go through in straight sets or in, you know, comfortable four-setter, that's definitely always a good sign. Roger, what do you think it means for the sport to have the three winningest men's major champions playing so well for so long at the same time? What I think... What do you think it means for the sport to have the three of you? I think it's great. Um, I don't know. I think uh, these things don't come around maybe so often. Um, yeah, I mean... I. And it also shows that um, side by side we can have incredible careers, you know. Funny enough, you always think that somebody takes away something from the other. And probably we had, but at the same time we also push each other to greater heights and, uh, you know, to improve maybe Rafa's grass, Novak's, whatever. Hardcores, I don't know what, my clay, I don't know. But uh, you just... Uh, um, I think we definitely became better because of one another and, uh, and I don't know if we'd still be all be playing if um, maybe we would have played in different eras you know but uh, it's been fun having us I mean from my side I don't know I hope the fans enjoyed it because I think we we're all very different characters you know so you could like either player and um, yeah we, we play all the tournaments you know we've played for a long time now so I think people know us because of all the interviews we've given as well and because they've seen us on the courts.